Welcome to episode 116 of the Oklahoma Real Estate Show. On today's show, it's CEO and founder of Tabor Homes, Tabor LeBlanc, with over two decades in Oklahoma building homes. Proud to have him on the show today talking about his story and about kind of the history a little bit of Tabor and then what he's offering today in excellent homes here. Welcome to the show. Excited to be here. So run me back. I mean, how did you, how did this all get started? I mean, you didn't, you weren't born a home builder, right? I was not. I didn't grow up in the family. My, my dad and my stepdad were geologists. And so <laughs> I saw the ups and downs of that industry and did sure. not want any part of that. Wow. And so I graduated from Oklahoma State in May of 99, right after the tornado hit there and more. Oh, wow. uh, ended up getting a claims adjusting job uh, where I went out and did property insurance claims from looking at roofs to water leaks to fire damage and uh real early on into that i knew that is not my career path Mm. and so my father-in-law had been a builder and developer and primarily a developer late in his career and so i'd been begging him to try and help me get into the industry and he kept giving me runarounds finally he says i got five daughters i'm gonna have five son-in-laws I don't want to teach you all how to build. So if I help you, I'm going to have to help all of them. And so I knew that at that time, this was not going to be my path. And so I started interviewing for jobs and uh, uh, ended up finding one uh, medical sales job down in Dallas. And at that time, um, they, they, they basically said, you have to move somewhere where there's a larger airport. You can't stay in Oklahoma City. And so... I drove my company car down there, uh, which I wasn't supposed to do, uh, put a $500 deposit uh, with a hot check, because I didn't have $500 to my name back then, uh, and uh, we were moving to Dallas. And so my mother-in-law and uh, my wife and I share an anniversary, and we'd go out uh, for anniversary dinner. And I'm telling my father-in-law all about this job that I'm so proud of, because I remember sitting in college thinking, if I could make $10,000 a month, Uh, my life is made and this job was going to give me an opportunity to do way more than that and so so i'm telling him about this job and he 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 keeps giving me push pushback and Mm -hmm. i'm thinking like he should be like extremely extremely proud and so anyway the girls went to the bathroom and he basically came out and says i got five lots with your name on it and uh got a credit line set up for you to build houses he goes you can go do this job uh, sounds like a great opportunity, or you can come try this out. And through conversation that night, he says, uh, but one of the things is you can't quit your job. You got to support my daughter. The other thing that you need to know, and this first business advice he gave me, was um, you got to have money to get money. So you need to save all the money that you make through this building company. And so... I remember driving home uh, down I-35. We were living uh, right across the street from Edmund Memorial High School in terrible apartments. And uh, uh, I was asking my wife, what do you want me to do? What do you think I should do? And she's like, this is your decision. I can't help you on it. And so I had a plane flight going to California for training with this other company. So I hadn't quit my job yet. Uh, And I mean, this is all within a matter of days. And so I remember calling up that company i was scared to do it and just said i'm not taking the job and they're like well you already got a plane ticket i was like i'm sorry i'm not doing it and so that was 
the beginning of it basically and so i remember sitting around one day and my father-in-law john was like hey what are you going to name the company i was like i don't know he's like well you got a cool name why not homes by Tabor?" and that's basically how the company was born and uh and so early on uh uh, I knew my father-in-law was basically my mother-in-law made him help me because she didn't want her daughter to move and so I tried to not bug John as much as possible and so one of the things he told me is like how you learn about this is you got to be on site and so mm-hmm. I knew nothing I, I'd roofed houses in high school uh, but really had no no experience in construction or business I had a business management degree but you learn a whole whole lot more hands-on than you do in college and so um i remember starting off and uh uh john's like well what house is you going to build i said i don't know and he goes go down to bob fillmore's office it's a plan office here in town and he goes go pick out three plans and so i ended up seeing the house that i was living in uh that so we'd end up buying a house uh found the house that i was living in was one of my first three houses and so I remember early on when subs would ask me a question, I'd drive home and go look at my house and act like I knew the answer. And so uh, I tried to not put have John come out to the job site because, you know, that took time. So I tried to keep my phone calls, uh, keep it to phone calls as much as possible. But I had him come out to the job site twice. But so after I get the first three plans picked out, he says, well, how much are you going to charge for them? I said, well, how do I don't know. He's like, well, drive around and see what people are charging for stuff. And I was like, all right. So I did that, and I told him what I was gonna, um, what I was gonna charge for the houses. And so, then to get a bank loan, the banker says, hey, you need to get me a cost estimate. So I asked John, how do I do a cost estimate? <laughs> and he he says, give me a second, and then he faxes me over a cost estimate from a banker. And he said, change the numbers on here. Put those. <laughs> so, so, I, so I go in there and I, I just changed the, the lot price and then I just fudged the numbers in there and sent it over. And so then um, I asked John, well, who do I hire? He goes, remember those houses you went out to? He goes, go talk to those people and see who they're using. And so now I'm getting a little bit worried. And so like – wow like i'm going into this thing blind Mm. and so we um so i i ended up finding the subs and he knew some but uh i remember being at lunch at him uh, lunch with him one time and i'm like so where do i start and he grabs out a napkin and he he writes down the order to build the house in and wow that's kind of how it started i mean going in blind not knowing for sure what stuff's going to cost or anything like that luckily I sold the houses myself, and it's probably uh, I would have made very little profit if I didn't sell them my, mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, um, you know, that's kind of the beginning. Was like I remember getting into it, thinking, "Oh man, <laughs> you know, I, I don't have three hundred grand to pay back to the bank. Uh, I hope this works out." And so, but the best thing is, is that uh, you know, my father-in-law was always there for me. But I learned by being on site. Mm-hmm. I learned by by just asking stupid questions to these mm-hmm. trades and trying to be out there. And so I would go work in the morning at, at my, my other job uh, as the insurance adjuster. Then I'd go work, then I'd try to be out in the job site in the afternoon, and then I'd go back and work at night as well. Mm. 
Wow. So, Th- so give me time frame. We're at like 2000. This is 2000. Wow. Yeah, we started in June of 2000. And it really gets into 2001 because uh, we formed the company in June of 2000, started building, building late in, late of 2000. Mm. And so then those first five lots that he had reserved for me, we went through them uh, that, that first year. Wow. So so the so the start was five lots, and now your average development has how many lots? Well, we the the rule of thumb is you, we used to keep about fifty to sixty, and then we were going through those so quick the last few years we started moving them up to hundred, and then we were talking about moving them up to two hundred. Wow! <laughs> but right now we're trying to keep now we're going back to normal levels of we'll call it sixty to eighty lots. Sure, sure. So roughly ten x what you started. Right. It's amazing. <laughs> so run me through. Uh, so two thousand runs into two thousand five, right? Then we get into maybe this subprime issue. How did you How did you make it through that? Well. Luckily, my father-in-law gave me that first piece of advice. You got to have money to get money. Mm. And so living very conservatively uh, and not having a lot of overhead or personal overhead expenses. And Mm. so um, I'd worked that farmer's job for another three years. By the time I quit, we had 25 houses going uh, with two employees. And so I made sure, you know, I stayed there longer than I probably should have, uh, but, you know, I had insurance and benefits and all that kind of stuff. And so, so I saved up as much money as I, I possibly could, and that, that's what allowed, as, you know, capitals allowed our company to grow over the years. Mm. Yeah, it gives you that nice buffer. So running through uh, from that point on, what are kind of some major milestones you remember? Um, major milestones was, um, I mean, going from the beginning, when I ran out of those lots, uh, my father-in-law uh, had a neighborhood that was pretty successful on some acre lots in Deer Creek. And uh, I remember we went to those other builders and said that I was coming in and they were pissed off. And I understand it from their standpoint. But anyways, he, he got me into the to another development. Mm-hmm. And then there was a neighborhood, uh, called he called it Tabor Lane. So he named it uh, Tabor Lane, which... Uh, uh was kind of <laughs> i'd call and order stuff and like hey this is Tabor, you know <laughs> uh i need to get this delivered to Tabor lane and you know kind of like like they probably thought i had this big ego naming mm. the street after myself and he was just doing it at, for fun or you know for a favor and you know yeah just, just um yeah, sure. but uh so that neighborhood was supposed to ha- or had 15 or 16 lots in it so it was just a little infill area Mm. And uh, there was supposed to be another builder in there, so I was about to get half the lots. And so it ended up he uh, the other builder didn't buy them, and so I got those sixteen lots. And all of a sudden, I build I build that through that whole thing in one year. And mm. so John had another neighborhood, and so that was kind of a bigger milestone for me from going five, and then I now I'm in two different neighborhoods. Oh, wow. uh, and then John had a and you're on site. I mean, day to day, you're you were the, you were there. Yeah, wow. and so I was able to work at home uh, when I was at uh, with my insurance adjusting job, uh, but I ended up you know had, we had young kids, and so I ended up getting my own office just where I could for I could work and not not be distracted as well. And so um, then after that, there was a neighborhood called Miller's Gate uh, in uh, Yukon, and. So I went into that neighborhood, and we struggled a little bit at the beginning, uh, but what I noticed with the two other builders is as, as we started picking up momentum, uh, the, um, we were taking down like 
by the the second phase we were take we took down like half the lots the third phase i'm running out of lots and 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 uh so i worked out a deal with john on the last phase uh to where i said i'll pay you three grand more a lot if i can get all the lots and uh he uh the last phase of a development you don't have as much cost in it because you're you've already paid off the land Mm -hmm. uh the infrastructure is already there and everything and so his partners wanted all cash and so he ended up buying his partners out and taking the extra uh extra gravy on the lots and so and he made some money on it but he really did it for me Mm. so that's pretty cool uh and so from there we went uh uh in that neighborhood southerly farms i ended up doing a similar deal and buying out all the lots and keep kicking all the competition out and uh and so those were some big milestones and so and that stuff was happening uh uh pre-pandemic or not pandemic <laughs> pre-housing uh, bubble mm. and so the housing bubble hits and uh uh you know it was bad i, I remember uh I, I went to uh, Rob Stanley and got uh, three ten thousand dollar cars, and so they uh, these were they brand new cars, but they were there was nothing in them. And I put them in front of three of my model homes, and I put free car. And so I remember ninety days later, uh, Rob calls me. He's like, "Hey, you haven't sold one car." I was like, "Yeah, I haven't sold one house." <laughs> and wow. so things got pretty bad, but. I was pretty fortunate that we built out this duplex neighborhood, or we were building a duplex neighborhood during that time, and we were able to get, uh, it it had somewhere around 80 80 doors or 40 duplexes, and so I sold, we had like half of them sold and started, and then we got half of that half to close during that time. So we did get cash flow in, and, and, um, and then I was able to sell the other lots to another builder and that gave me cash flow as well and so for those those it was two years of rough times and and and, and everybody calls it like 2008 to to me we we rolled over 45 finished homes into 2006 so starting 2006 so that's where i'm talking about the free car was in 2006 everybody else talks about seven and eight Hmm. and so um but um we uh um so that duplex neighborhood is what gave me enough cash flow whenever the home building company was losing money to get through. And again, we had cash. Uh, and um, But yeah, it was a tough time. I mean, just, the news was just beating us up as well. There was no good coming from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2009, I got my builder confidence back. And so Oklahoma City at that time had a huge oversupply of lots. And so... Uh, I started getting my builder confidence back, but we couldn't, uh, banks weren't lending. So you got to think. They were were nervous. Yeah. yeah. So they hear everything nationwide where I feel Oklahoma City has turned the corner because, you know, we've diversified from oil and we've continued to diversify from oil from the 80s. But back then there was oil was doing well. And so Mm -hmm. I felt our economy was doing well. And and, uh, and so from from there so we were building uh, right around 100 houses going into the housing bubble and it came down to about uh and half and so uh from there we're we're plugging along and then in 2009 i get my confidence back and so nobody's lending so i picked i don't know why i had a phone book but i had a phone book and i just started calling every number every bank and trying to set up appointments uh went and bought some suits and ties and was dressing nice trying to impress these bankers trying to get money and so 
after being told no over and over and over again, uh, we finally got some yeses. And, uh, and so we started growing our company, uh, getting capital from the banks and uh, growing our company from 2009 uh, up to 2014, uh, uh, where we got up to around 250 houses. So wow. going from 50 to 250 houses during that time frame. And uh, uh, then oil crash of 2014, uh, our sales went down about 30 percent wow and uh and during that time uh we were going through a lot of growing pains so going from 50 to 250 houses uh i can tell you at that point in time we did what we said we were going to do eventually is the easiest way to put it and Mm so our warranty uh after the fact uh took a long time to do and so i got to a point where I really like where, where I could see I, I couldn't have my hands on everything and uh, and so I was like I got great assets uh, you know in my this is what's going on in my head and it's like do I need to shrink this company down to a hundred houses where I can control everything or I got these great assets where I can grow this company even further uh, but it's risky too mm-hmm. and uh, and so I contemplated with that, and in, in January of 2014 uh, was basically our company was reborn. And I came in and uh, with my managers that were there, uh, I had some quit uh, and just basically said, we're changing and we're going to do it my way. And, uh, and so soon after that, uh, I met a consultant named Noel Tarabolsky, uh here in town at a conference and uh she uh had this conference about the top 20 things builders do wrong and i'm sitting in there with a whole bunch of builders and i remember like she's talking i feel like she's talking to me yes one two yeah every yeah we do all that wrong <laughs> and so uh i remember sitting after and i let all the builders leave i remember going to the bathroom and not, like and then make sure everybody's gone and then i go talk to her and uh, end up hiring her on the site to come in uh, to work with our company. So I'm going through this restructure. Um, and so I end up hiring her um, to come in. And I, I, I went all in on, on it to build these departments. And so uh, we, um, she, she's, she was coming in every other week for four days a week. And she, uh, she helped me build every department uh, that we have, and we built it with younger people uh, that are technology driven, uh, and uh, they, I built these departments with her and with the manager, and uh, uh, they were able to see my values and how how I do things, and so it's been pretty cool to see these managers where I used to say I know more than my managers do, to now my managers can run circles around me. Wow. And that was a divine meeting you felt with her. I mean, yeah. you, here you are to a conference, and then it's a life-changing conference. It was, for sure. We, we all, as a management team, became very educated. Uh, before, I used to say, well, you know, I, I learned from my mistakes, and now being preemptive <laughs> on, on, on doing that. And so, because, you know, over the years, we've, we've messed up everything and, and learned from it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, instead of just waiting for that stuff to happen, you know, I have these different 
professionals in each one of their departments that know their stuff inside and out. Hmm. What would you say was the biggest uh, learning factors you got when this, you know, 2014, you said you were reborn. What do you mean by that? Well, from there, it it was, um, like I said, it it got out of control. You can grow yourself out of business, and you can also Mm -hmm. grow outside of your managers, like Mm -hmm. their capabilities. And so we had both of those things happen. And so the people that I had underneath me that had been with me for a long time, mm-hmm. we we basically outgrew them. Mm-hmm. And so from there... You I know, mean, their, their mindset was a small operation. They, they just were hitting the ceiling. They didn't, they couldn't handle any more, yeah. you know, the, volume. They, for whatever reason it might have been, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they, they were not able to do what, what they were hired to do. Wow, and that's why, uh, you know, as the business owner, like I said, I had to look at going back to saying, I know what I can right, do right. and be profitable and 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 um, uh, um, make money at, or mm-hmm. you know, but there's so much more potential that we have, and so well, that's that critical moment where you decided, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut I'm gonna cut the losses and and I'm gonna move forward. How how did that how so did that come about? What happened is and, and so. 2012 is really, so we got up to 225 houses, 250 houses, round figures then. And that's where the the, the, the wheels started spinning uh, or coming off. Uh, not, uh, I wish they were spinning. But, uh, but uh, and so hmm. throughout 2013, uh, I got involved and I'm trying to work with these people uh, or, or my people or our company's people um, to, to try and fix these things. Hmm. And... So throughout that whole year, it's like I'm just still banging my head against the wall. And we continue to make mistakes that we'd make over and over again. You know, one of the things I tell my managers, like, the first time we make a mistake, and no matter what it costs, and I've, we've had some very, very costly ones, that one's on me. That's just part of owning a business. Mm-hmm. But it w- your job is to make sure it never happens again. Bingo. Learn, learn from it. Sure. Yeah. But that's not what was happening back then. Wow. And, you know, it was taking us um, a long time to build houses. Uh, so time frames. We started missing closing dates. Uh, mm. And then we'd say, all Which right. Which is really tough for everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, like that's, that's one of our number one things we don't do is miss closed dates. Um, but we were missing closing dates. And there was times that we pushed closing dates back three times. I mean, it's extremely embarrassing uh, and, and, and very tough for the customer. Mm-hmm. And so, anyways, trying to fix that stuff uh, was not working all through 2013 with, with my people. And that's why at the end of the year, it's kind of like I'm going into a new year. I don't, I don't want to be doing this. What we're doing is not working with the people that I have right now. Mm-hmm. And so... We ended up, like I said, that's where the restructure came. And like you said, you know, God came in, I think, and put me in with Noel. And, yeah, uh, sure. That was a divine appointment. And at that point, you 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 said, this is the way I'm going to get there. Like, this is the roadmap. Right. I can follow this now. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, and then to, I think, I think for all the business owners that maybe listen to this, you're going, they're at that point. I know I've been to that point many, many times where you either settle for what you got, thinking this is the best we're ever going to get, or like you said, you take that risk and right. you say, "I know it can get better. I don't know for certain, but if I don't try, it won't get better." And you tried. 
Right. And that resulted in, now take us to 2015. What happened then? All right, so uh, 2015 is when oil hits, uh, goes way down. Uh, Our sales went down 30%. uh, But I continued to go all in on this restructure, uh, paying big money for Noel to come in every other week. didn't lay off any employees, even though, because uh, I, I felt that we needed to build that foundation and, and we can't do it on, on scaling back with employees. So we kept all our employees at that time. Did you know oil? Did you have any inkling that oil was going to come back or you just, you just were gut? You just stuck oh, in? Oh, with- so I, she came in and did an assessment mm-hmm. uh, of our company and then she came back in and yeah, well, I just like, all right, I got the assessment, read through it, agree with it. I'm like, well... Yeah, just have faith in it and move forward. Yeah, and I just said, I want to get you in as much as possible. So her assessment was, there's a lot of vertical here. If we do these steps, here's what we can achieve. And you said, go forward. The assessment was just stuff that that we can improve on. And my whole deal is, I'm restructuring. Uh, I need help restructuring. And, And... and what that ended up being was, yeah, we went from uh, having basically five managers to where we have, you know, 10 or 11 right now. Wow. And really just mm-hmm. uh, uh, breaking that stuff, you know, breaking down each department and getting uh, one person in control of it that runs that department instead of somebody running multiple departments. And you're and and tell us tell me when the slogan kind of came in. I mean, proudly overbuilt. Everybody knows that's Tabor now. I mean, everybody in Oklahoma. If you don't know that, I mean, you, you don't. You're not in Oklahoma. When did that come on the scene? Um, that came on. Uh, we we hired a consultant, a sales and uh, sales and marketing consultant, uh, Meyer Barnes, Myers Barnes, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he he and we did the same thing with him as well. Uh, but one of the things is he's just like. He's the one who gave me the term. He's like, you guys are proudly overbuilt. And uh, we took that and we, we copywrote it and so on and so forth where that's our term. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, it, what, it, so what does that mean now? I mean, what does that mean to you? Well, so before we used to be elegance with affordability. And so when I started building houses, one of the things is when, it, when my first houses were like 115000 But I'm driving a farmer's insurance car with with the logo on the side of it. Uh, trying to sell the houses myself. I'm 23 years old. Uh, and it's like, what am, what, why is somebody going to buy from this young kid? And so one of the things I'd sell is like, you get to talk to me direct. And we sell against, we have people that you can talk to 24 hours. Because what if I'm out fishing or at the lake or whatever it might be. But, mm-hmm. but anyways, uh, and so I had to differentiate myself from these other builders in the neighborhood that have been building for 20 plus years. And so... Uh, what my goal was back then was to take items in a $250,000 house and put them into a $100,000 house. Mm. And so that was so my... So how do you do that? And so that was my strategy back then is to, to give myself a, competi- a competi- competitive advantage, uh, especially with the obstacles that were against me. And so how you did it, you put better amenities in. And so we've always toppled on to that. And one of my theories that, that I have is like, if I put in X, whatever, if I put in this, how many more houses will I sell? Not how much, how much is it going to cost me per house, but if I can put that in for free uh, or included for the customer, how many more houses can I sell? And look at the revenues that way uh, on, on this new amenity. And so it started off 
that way and we've grown it into what it is now wow wow so 2015 between 2015 and today what were some key milestones now that you had the the new the new mindset in and you were you were full throttle forward and so we went from 160 houses or so in 2015 uh, to where we pulled somewhere around 900 permits uh, last year uh, sold uh, this year and and we sold somewhere around 850 houses or so something like 830 Uh, and so what and, and, and so that's a big growth in a short amount of time and so there was years that we were doubling in size and so uh, one of the things was is process and procedure, uh, and early on we had a process and procedure for going to the bathroom, for example. <laughs> no, but no, there was a process and procedure for everything. But we had to go to the far extreme on process and procedures to to get to where we could pull back on some of the stuff. They're saying that's stupid, get rid of it, so on and so forth. But uh, and so we really just had to break down everything that we were doing and and have a process of procedure. So we would have people, two people would be in charge of something and then nothing would get done. And so uh, it really, my, my COO, Travis, uh, was a big implementer of this. He's a great dude, but he, he is detail oriented. And, uh, and so he came in and that's basically what he he was working on uh was, was breaking down what what are what's your job duty what's your job duty and then he's looking like well, who does this in between oh well, that's why the ball's getting dropped because you think this person's doing it and that person's doing it uh and and so he you know breaking down job descriptions uh and, and uh uh, seeing what people actually do and what they should be doing and what they could be doing and so on and so forth and so really early on was building like we we have manuals of process and procedures wow wow and that's and and, and that's something that just was you just realized was a necessity or are you a type of person that you in your personal life are you, you I, know, do you are you a process driven person or is that something I, you I, had to develop i like order i like clean and neat you know i like, I like organized uh i like process and procedures just not for myself (laughs) (laughs) okay and and so uh so you don't brush your teeth at a certain order and (laughs) well i brush them too long i just keep brushing (laughs) at least according to the dentist right yeah so what's what's on the horizon i mean now it's 2023 at the time of this recording what what are you looking forward to um well, one of the biggest things that's going on right now uh, is uh, we, we brought out this new Blue Series product. And so over the years, we, we were so proudly overbuilt, so we were putting in all these additional features. When we pulled them out, pulled some of them out, we, 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 we didn't save any money. And so with the interest rates doubling uh, and affordability becoming such a huge issue for customers, uh, we 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 forced ourselves into making an affordable product and so we brought out a new series from 1200 square feet uh, to 2000 square feet uh, at great price points for people during the pandemic, we didn't have houses under 300,000. I think we were around 310 starting point. Now we have houses from t- this blue series goes from 240,000 uh, to like 330,000. And so the bigger bigger it gets, the more discount that we can, or the uh, less per foot it is for the customers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, they're value engineered. Uh, so unlike our other stuff, there's not a lot of choices you can make to it. 
uh, but it's going to give people the opportunity for home ownership. True. Yeah. And, yeah. and a brand new, yeah, brand new home. Right. At that. Yeah. Sure. And uh, and so we designed it. Um, Does so, that mean it's a? I mean, if you talk to any builder off the street, you know, and even the federal government is saying, you know. The, the the thing is you want to build as as high per square foot on the lot it, that's the argument from the builders is saying well i can't build an affordable home because i've i got to make the money off the lot you know i've, I've got to build it as much as i can there how are you overcoming that well so we, we started off like so these these houses that you see here they're not value engineered these are like made like for for what customers are going to flow through and no cost put into it if that makes sense these yeah, these new plants are these are beautiful yeah. uh you know dream homes if you yeah. will this is something somebody would look forward to and probably could spend the rest of their life in yeah and we're not abandoning that but we're just bringing more options on sure. for an affordable sure. like they still have our storm shelters they're still energy efficient mm -hmm. uh they're, they're they they still have sprinkler systems mm -hmm. uh and, and they still have a lot of amenities and so when we're, we're with our competitors that are building down in those sizes we're still going to be proudly overbuilt mm -hmm. uh compared to the other features that our competitors have uh it's just it's not it's not going to have all the features that are that our other product does because we're going straight after cost uh gotcha. for the buyer gotcha and so we start off with a, a a three bedroom uh two car garage uh and we go up to a four bedroom a study uh and a bonus room and so um it uh at two thousand square feet at three hundred thirty thousand. and so what we're doing we, we tried to say what does a buyer want and we we like all right well three bedroom and then we got a four bedroom we got a four bedroom and a study uh then we got a, a three bedroom and a bonus room we got a three bed a four bedroom and a bonus room and a uh and a four bedroom and, and a uh office with the bonus room and so we just tried to take what our buyers are buying on the other side shrink it down and get it uh get it as affordable as possible and so the rooms are made for the studs and the carpet cuts and all that kind of stuff to maximize all that stuff and so um and 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 sprinkling that in uh to to different neighborhoods uh is is my excitement because we've never had that product line we've never had that affordable product line uh you know one of the things you know at times uh we have buyers or we have people that don't buy our homes uh but they 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 wish they could afford it uh, we have people looking at these bigger homes uh, that ours are are, are are so much more value than 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 some of the other people in there but they want that million dollar house even though our house has all the same features and stuff and so uh, we have people on both spectrums of it but we never had this affordable this affordable uh, uh, price point hmm. what makes you different in that category now now that you're beginning to offer that how do you compare to some of the others that may offer entry-level new builds well one of the things that we do is we have a dare to compare sheet and it shows all the different things that we, that shows all our amenities mm -hmm. and and some of our best sales points are here's our stuff and our salespeople are trained to, to explain all of our stuff uh, and then we go shop somebody else and use this sheet and compare and we have values of what we have and we know what our competitors have but you know, we don't put the competitors on the sheet but they can go out there and they can check off and then then it shows you them the value that they're getting brilliant. at the end of it
Now, how many companies <laughs> will do that? Literally, hand you a check sheet. From what I heard you just say, hand you a check sheet, hand the customer and say, now now go compare with our competitors and, and you'll see for yourself. And you'll come that back. And that, that, like I said, yeah. them shopping wow. other builders can be, and we have it for our other series as well, but wow. uh, shopping other it's builders. Incredible. For sure. And, uh, and so, like I said, I mean, these houses still have the tankless hot water tanks. Like, you know, uh, last year. Which a high, that's a high-end option. I mean, for they, sure. yeah, that's, yeah, that's amazing. So last year, we were fifth in the nation on energy efficiency. Energy efficiency yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up. I want to talk about that because that's almost when we talk about payments. That's what I try to remind some of our clients is like, if you can get an energy-efficient home, you could save hundreds of dollars a month, literally, compared to a single-pane window, crawl-space home, you know, some of these, you know, pre-built from 1950 or 40. And and uh, so, what, so what are the average utilities running for, for some of your customers in these blue uh, blue what is, blue chip homes? Uh, blue series is blue what series, we're calling it. Series. So yeah, what uh, what are some average utility costs? Well, that, we're, that we can, haven't we hadn't had anybody move in yet because we, we haven't finished <laughs> okay. one yet, but we're about to have some people move so in. This is the latest and greatest. Uh, yeah, but nice. uh, our houses, uh, it, it just depends. It's, it's hard to say what their utilities are going to be because I don't want to lie mm-hmm. because I don't know what you set your heat and air at. Sure, sure. I can just tell sure. you uh, that our houses uh, uh, are, are, are the most energy efficient speculative homes or, or, or uh, being built on the market here in Oklahoma City. Like I said, we're number one in Oklahoma for multiple years, uh, number five in the nation last year, number three the year before. And so you're going to save a significant amount of utilities uh, based upon the stuff that we do. Excellent. And that's the backdoor savings that can make the difference in being able to put money away for savings, being able to get maybe that nicer car. Uh, that's, that's stuff that people don't really account for up front, but is a big deal later. Energy efficiency of a home is just like gas mileage of a car. And so uh, the better your here's rating score, the more money you're going to save on your utility bills. But one of the things that that the uh, appraisal uh, association was looking into, and I hope they do it, is the here's rating uh, of the house. Like, so when people buy a house, you were talking about a 1950s home, uh, it's going to be less energy efficient than a 1980s, and and you can keep going on and on. Uh Uh, But people, I feel, need to know how energy efficient that house is to know if you can afford the utility bills that go with it. And so the appraisal department was uh, looking at doing that. I haven't heard anything on a while, but I was extremely excited about that uh, because we we hear rate uh, every one of our houses. What is the average utility cost of these homes? Well, I don't know the exact cost, but we have numbers run through uh, ResNet uh, that shows us that we're saving on average about $1,500 a year. Uh, so a little bit over $100 a month that people are saving. Wow. That, that's incredible, especially with some of the winters we've been having around here. I mean, <laughs> <can> be- <laughs> we've, we've had some brutal weather, of course. That's Oklahoma. Walk me through what buyers are looking for in this area. What have you found that that's most common for someone in Oklahoma that may be looking at new construction? What are they looking for now? Well, I think you still have people that that that, uh, that are moving from out of state, and they can afford like Oklahoma City is one of the cheapest markets in the country, and so they can still afford the other homes. It, it, a lot of times, it's it's the people that that are family has grown inside Oklahoma City is where they're going to have to change their buying needs is what I feel. So people moving in from out of state, uh, not as big of a deal, but it's our people in, inside of Oklahoma City that get married or have kids or, or, or whatever it might be that 
with with the with inflation that's out there, they're having to change the consumer need uh, uh, of to what what they can afford. And so, uh, you know, I could build these houses all day long, but if people can't afford them, even if you want it and you can't afford it, you're not going to be able to buy it. And that's why we had to bring this new series on uh, to mm-hmm. be able to go after uh, maybe not the people's wants, but what they can afford. You know, thanks for coming on the show today. It's been such an honor to talk with you. You've really imparted the personality, I think, behind the brand. That's really the key. Um, I see when I've seen you here today, I see an individual that didn't quite know how to do it, but he had the heart right. And you just kept trying until you made it happen. And you've done a great job doing it. Well, it was, it was fun being here today. It was fun reminiscing uh, on the past and the struggles that we went through. And, you know, we own up to the mistakes that we have, and I'm not bashful about it. And uh, uh, But, yeah, it was, good, it was good thinking back 